Hey, all you radio nerds. We've got a special guest on this program. Do you love That's radio right. like I love radio? I haven't been in radio my practically my whole life. You certainly have. Uh, this is an exciting one. It's also a twofer. Oh, yeah. We went so long, we have to make it two parts because it's so intriguing. <laughs> and we don't want to overblow your brain. That's right. We want to take one step at a time and enjoy part one. Take a breath. You're going to have to wait a week, and then you get to hear part two. <laughs> it is Woody from The Woody Show, the CEO from The Woody Show, the founding father of The Woody Show Morning Show, which is on 90, uh, Alt 98.7 in Los Angeles, but also syndicated all over the country. Uh, to be exact, 35 different cities, That's and so you'll crazy. hear him say that. That's totally nuts. And He's like, you ever been to Dickinson, North Carolina? Yeah, I have. <laughs> The uh, the tagline for the Woody Show is insensitivity training for a politically correct world. I couldn't love that. And then anymore. for his Twitter, it says pathetic use of potential. He always says that. My opinions are my own. I'm not asking for your approval. Harmless, unless motivated. That's right. So Woody, <laughs> part one is coming up next. Welcome to the Cuz I Have To podcast, where living your dream is the only option. I'm your host, Julie Slater. And I'm Jason Friday. And we've been scouring the earth for people living their dharma so we can share their stories with you. And hopefully we help you find your dharma. Let's do it. Uh, uh, welcome, Woody. Do you ever hi, go guys. by your real name? Do people know you have a uh, different name? No, I just kind of figured that... Uh... You know, radio people know me one way, and then my family and weather know me the other way. But I answer to a lot of different things more so than just my regular name and then the stupid radio name I got stuck with. But uh, here we are. Do I answer to many well, things? Do, your, do you have close friends? Because even Slater, well, I never like to reveal, but that's not my real last name. Uh, but it's become my name. Oh my god! It's become yeah. my last name, and yeah, people call I, me that, I mean, and that's who I am. Yeah, I mean, Woody's been around for so long. And, um, you know, once it, it got to the point where I'm like, oh, this is so dumb that I it, it was I, I was already so far into it. And I had like, you know, people recognizing my work and calling me for jobs looking for Woody. And right. so I didn't want to start all over. But, you know, I did if what I had, had to, to do. If you had to choose another name, what would you go with? I I'd just use my name. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> the way I ended up with Woody was because the uh, I, I was 17 years old and I went for an interview at this radio station in Pittsburgh that I really wanted to work at. I mean, I was you know brand new. I'd had some shitty job at a uh, like a little top 40 station outside the city, and um, this was the cool big station. Our friend Booker was the night guy at this station. Another one oh, of our okay. friends, Steve Stone, it was his first big you know production oh, wow. job. And this guy named Phil Manning was the program director. And um, and so I wanted to work at the station so bad. It was the coolest station. And I wanted to work in alternative rock music back when it was actually rock music. And um, I went in and I mean, I, I was so geeked for this interview. I wore a tie, you know, like a shirt and tie. And I was sitting <laughs> in the lobby waiting for him to call me back. And uh, he comes out, he goes, he tells the receptionist, yeah, I'm waiting for um, this guy, Jeff. I'm like, yeah, Phil, that's me. He goes, no, nah. he goes, you're here for a sales job. I'm looking for a guy who's here to be a DJ. 
I'm like, oh shit. He goes, lose the tie. I'll come back in five minutes. <laughs> so I'm shitting my pants. I quickly take off the tie and I stuff it in my pocket. I unbutton the first couple buttons and I wait. He comes back. He goes, better. Come on in. Long story short, he goes, we're going to put you on the air tonight. We're going to see how you sound. He goes, you can't be Jeff. Nobody's ever going to remember the name Jeff. It's boring. It's basic. Come up with anything. I'm like, dude, if I get this job and you put me on the air, you can, I can, I'll take any name that you give me. And uh, he had this little shitty black and white television in his office. And um, the, this was like 95. And uh, this movie Money Train was coming out with Wesley Snipes oh, and Woody yeah. Harrelson. And so we're both engrossed in this trailer. We're watching it. And at the end, it goes, Wesley, Woody, Money Train. He goes, how about Woody? I'm like, fuck it. Let's go. So <laughs> I went on the air as Woody. And it just, like I said, like this station made so much noise in such a short amount of time that, um, I mean, it was, it, it was a station where, I mean, a lot of people ended up coming from in its short little lifespan in Pittsburgh. But um, wow. yeah, I just got stuck with that name. And here we are. Years later, decades later. My name that came from crazy. Christian Slater, so it's funny that we yeah. got them from actors. Is that like pump up the volume? Was, <laughs> yeah. it, was that that movie where he had like a yeah. pirate station in his basement or something like yeah, that? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't based on that. I hate to say it might have oh. been before then. Uh, wasn't he in Heathers? Oh, okay. oh yeah, that for sure. That's, I always liked that's probably the dark part of him. Although yeah. I guess so was that pump up the volume. Yeah, that wasn't exactly like a pick me up. Yeah. <laughs> it was no gleaming the cube, but it was cool. Uh, I want to so explain. Funny. So it's funny. I think you might have the perfect amount of fame because in some worlds, they might not like people who aren't into radio. What world are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. People who aren't into radio might not know who you are, but then people yeah. in radio, you're a super, you're a super big, you're a big deal. Uh. How many stations are you on right now? Maybe simulcast. Um, thirty something, like thirty-five. Oh maybe. my god! <laughs> yeah, you I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of them are that? like, there's a lot of really small towns. Have you ever heard of Dickinson, North Dakota? Because I have. We're on there. <laughs> you know, and but I tell you what, man, those people are awesome. They work out in these oil fields, and it's like four degrees in the summer. And uh, oh and they love it. But I mean, then we also have like Philadelphia and Kansas City, Indianapolis, like stuff like that. Of course, Los Angeles. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, your so home we, base the, is Los Angeles. Alt 98.7. Yeah. A place I worked yep. at for a brief amount of time. Yeah. Uh, and everybody kind of wondered, like, what happened to her? Where'd she go? <laughs> <laughs> I left. Unannounced. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to give funny. people the history. So you started, you said, in Pittsburgh. And it's funny yeah. that I should kind of uh, before then. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask real quick. You said Booker and Steve Stone. Are they both from Pittsburgh, too? No, well, Booker is from West Virginia, which oh, you would know by he? looking at him. He, yeah. No. He's like, yeah. 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 Isn't he's, LA that's pretty so hilarious. perfect for him? He's a pretty good looking guy for being from West Virginia. He's got all his teeth. I don't think he's ever like, you know, <laughs> yeah. tried to mate with a relative or anything like right, that. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So he's he's from West Virginia. And then uh, Stone is, I want to say he's from San Francisco originally. Oh, uh, but wow. then, uh, yeah, like, so he started getting into radio. Steve Stone's like a big national voiceover guy. And uh, the station yeah. that I worked with him at where also Booker was. It, this was his first, I think, full-time imaging job. So he was doing all the little stuff between the songs that you hear or, like, you know, promoting the weekend promotion. So, I mean, it was it was a fun time, man, because it was like a lightning-in-the-bottle type situation. I think everybody has one of those in their career where it's just like, sure. oh, my God, this is too perfect. And then, of course, it's radio, so somehow it gets fucked up. Right. 
But that's when when this station blew up, uh, and it blew up because we got bought by the company that owned our main competition, the other alternative station in town. They flipped us to Smooth Jazz, even though we were, I think, the number two overall station in the entire city behind like the news talk station. But they had invested so much money into this other station, and Howard Stern was the morning show. And I mean, they had their own chain of record stores. Remember record stores oh, that yeah. they called the X Connection. And so they they kept that brand. And um, that's when Booker left to go to New York, which is where he worked with you, Julie. And then um, yeah, we worked Stone... at 92.3 K Rock uh, in New York, which is was yeah. the home base for the Howard Stern show. Yeah, so Booker went to New York, and then Stone stayed in Pittsburgh for a while, and then he ended up in New York, and then after that, he went to go work, and now he's got his own huge, super huge like voiceover company. I hear him on everything. He is the kindest person. Yeah. He's very, yeah. uh, always been very nice and giving yeah. for me. There's a lot of nice people, despite like how I may feel most of the time. Like I was kind of <laughs> going to situations assuming everybody sucks, and that way I could be pleasantly surprised when they turned out to be decent people. Right. Yeah, other, other like my mother, my mother goes into everything thinking that people have the nicest and most pure intentions and that she's constantly disappointed. And, you know, I think <laughs> I, I find, I find it to be a more fulfilling. Yeah, people are like, oh, yeah. it's so negative. I'm like, I don't think it's really negative. This way I'm constantly going around. I'm pleasantly surprised. Right, right. <laughs> That's I know, funny. where your mother is heartbroken every day. All the time. <laughs> it's so disappointing. I'm like, yeah. yeah. That you sucks. just assume they were oh, cool. Man. You set yourself yeah. up for disappointment. What? Yeah. So when did you? I always get confused with the timeline of when people came to K Rock. What? What years were you at K Rock in New York? And what did you do? Ten to two, or was Booker doing? Um, I'm so confused. Booker was doing yeah, nights, I, maybe. See now, I'm trying to think. Uh, I got to. It, it was either the end of '99 or the beginning of 2000. It was like right around, you know, Y2K and. Yeah. Um, who was in it, afternoon? It, so I was in midday. Who yeah, there was, uh, was it was Kane Will Penn Darvis. Oh, it was Will Penn Darvis in afternoons, <laughs> then Kane and Cabby at night, and then Booker oh. was 10 to 2. And then I came in, uh, after Booker. And when I came in, it wasn't you know, it, I was just psyched because you know, from a very early uh time in my you know, radio life, I found out that New York was the number one market. Now I grew up in New Jersey, so like New York is. Like that's the home. Like anytime we went to a special dinner or there was a big event, sporting event or whatever, like you went to New York. That's I mean, that's where you were. We were about, you know, 40 minutes, sure. 45 minutes outside the city. So yeah. like that, that was great to go and have, uh, you know, all my family and friends that I grew up with or whatever. And so I'm like, man, that would be the ultimate, not as the number one market, but I have all this family there and stuff. So, um, you know, uh, I just wanted to work there. And so that became my goal. But, uh, you know, when I was coming in, you know, the guy that we work for, he's like, well, it's going to, he called it all nights, which I thought was such an old timey way of, I was like, it's overnights, you know, he's like, well, you're going to do all nights. He goes, but uh, I have a plan. I'm like, okay. Cause I had come here. I think he kind of felt like weird because I was coming from uh, St. Louis to New York. I was working in St. Louis at the time. And I was like a assistant program director and music director of that station. And, you know, I think he kind of felt weird, but I didn't give a shit. I, you know, I'm like, cool, New York, let's go. Like, I just yeah. wanted to, I wanted to experience that and to, be at the same station we you know where all of uh, howard's people were wandering around and you know that was super cool you probably to be a part wanted of that. to work with me was that probably a big yeah. goal like julie's big like, goal. she's so cool <laughs> yeah i'm like man you know what and the most envious part of your job was the working with stuttering john for like the one hour lunch show which would totally derail 
<laughs> Stuttering John, who at the time was on the Howard Stern show, would just like hijack a whole hour of Julie's show. It was and very he strange. He had no fucking idea what he was doing. Oh, and he barely did <laughs> you know, any work. It was just oh god. Yeah, didn't do oh, anything. Like, yeah, it was a mess. It was we a mess. should have him on the pod and just like <laughs> dive oh deep god. into that. I, that's a Pandora's box, man. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah, oh so I mean, God. that's kind of a funny, like some people might not know. So I was hired to do middays, but I would have to wait till Howard stopped talking. And I mean, sometimes he didn't stop until 1130 and I was only on yeah. till two. And then my boss is like, hey, Stuttering John from The Stern Show is going to do a show from noon to one. So sometimes I would be on for like 20 minutes. And then I had to run the board for Stuttering John for that hour. Yeah, And then I'd be on from one to two. It was so odd. It was a very but it was a union wow. gig. It was a so union gig. So I got paid gig. the same amount of money. So you got paid I, the same amount. That's I was like wow. midday's. So you didn't have to like not to talk is what I would say. <laughs> yeah, but you, like you didn't have to be up like super early. You were out of there by two o'clock. I was ideal. like, that's pretty. I good. used to nap. I used to nap yeah. at like three o'clock watching the Golden yeah. Girls. And yeah, it's like, oh. awesome. <laughs> that is a dream. Holy. <laughs> That's a pretty. That's crazy. like that's like a Jersey no show gig that you get like with you know the mob or something. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, and I, I mean, I got to do yeah. that for ten years. That was pretty fantastic. And then yeah. Howard Jeez. left. It was cool. He yeah. went to serious. I mean, it, it, it was it was cool. Like New York ended up not being what I thought it was going to be, though. Like from a radio standpoint, I think and I think everybody, no matter what career you're in, you have like this idea of like. You know, I, I'll, I'll give I'll give you the radio example. Like when you're in radio and you're like in little tiny, small towns slash markets, and you're like, man, I bet you they don't have to put up with this shit in cities like Pittsburgh. And you think Pittsburgh's the big deal, and then you work in Pittsburgh, and you're like, ah, oh, you know what? I bet you don't have to deal with this kind of shit in Philadelphia. And you get to Philadelphia, and you realize it's the same movie. And then you're like, man, you know, New York. You know, I bet you the guys in New York or L.A. I mean, they don't put up with this shit, you know, and then you get there and you're like, you know what? Radio. That's where I really learned. Like, radio is radio is radio. The only thing that was different was the number of people listening, the number of request lines. And you did really big over the top like promotions like, you know, with Green Day on the we call it the, or the Weezer, the SS Weezer, Smashing Pumpkins, the Smashing Pumpkins cruise or, you know, oh, Chili Peppers yeah, on top of the World Trade Center. Yeah. You know, like you don't do yeah. you don't do that stuff in Pittsburgh, you know, but oh, you yeah. did that kind of stuff in New York. Um, I mean, but, you know, me, that's that's kind of where I realized that radio was radio and the well, paycheck, yeah. depending on what you were doing there, could be could be better than doing the equivalent uh, shift or whatever in another place. Yeah. The thing to me, though, looking back that I feel is different now, but also could be age wise, too, is when I worked at K-Rock, every single person I knew listened to it. I mean, so everywhere I went, people knew everything about it and talked about yeah. it all the time where I don't know that that's true now. But I guess like Alt 98.7 is definitely a younger as far as when I was on the air there, like my friends maybe didn't listen to it that much because maybe it's not their age, you know, age group or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. It just seemed like New York. Well, I guess too, um, back in the day with Howard Stern, like every single person in the world listened to Howard Stern then. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of differences. Number one, there was no serious XM yet. I mean, they were literally yeah, having right. DJs come in and practice to nobody like they would yeah. you know it'd be like if i was sitting in front of this microphone right now but we weren't connected and talking like i'm talking to you guys right now but it'd be like if i just talking to myself it wasn't right. on the air yet 
Um, so that didn't exist. Clearly, podcasting wasn't a thing. Um, you know, there, there was satellite television, so you had more channels or whatever. But like on the move, I, you know, I don't even the iPod wasn't around yet. I remember we were giving away um, uh, Diamond Rio MP3 players every once in a while <laughs> on the air, which held like five <laughs> or ten songs tops. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it wasn't even like you had all your your stuff on the go with you. You know, so well, and you know what's get, crazy? I think that was a different social time. media too. Like. We didn't have yeah, social, no media. social media. No one really knew what yeah. we looked like. I remember we would go to our annual dysfunctional family picnic and I would go on stage and that would be the one time like the crowd would be like, Julie, because no one knew what I looked like. Yeah. yeah. It must be different for yeah. you now that people it's know cr- what well, you, you know, look like. I mean, well, again, that's just a lot of things change. You know, now, like you said, social media and, you know, just with the digital push on doing videos and all the things that you do that you would do normally events and getting out. And that's always kind of been a big part of what we do is just like kind of take the opportunity to do the things in a city like Los Angeles that really nobody else is doing the going out and, you know, meeting people just to hang like no, for no, not for any real thing. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be like an official, like, you know, our sales department sold this and you got to show up. It was just like, Hey, you know, let's go to an area where we have a lot of listeners and show up for a couple hours and just bullshit with people. Yeah, and, right. Do you yeah, ever so like all, hand the, all out those I think all those things. What's that? I said, do you ever hand out bumper stickers just for fun? You tell you like the promo guy. Here you go. It is a fun guy. It, yeah, that is a fun time. You're just like <laughs> standing there. Like that reminds me of those jobs. Like that I think the current version of that is the sign spinner. You know, the guy oh, yeah. sits there with the sign. <laughs> the you know, but yeah, I mean I did all that. I did all that like early, like, you know, um, but yeah, I mean that's the thing. I will I will go around, I'll hand out stickers, I'll take pictures and just talk to people and you know hey let me buy you a beer i'm like nah man i'll buy you a beer and it, you know that's the stuff that goes such a long way especially now and like that's the challenge the challenge is because there are these other things you know it's about destination programming i think the days of jukebox radio where it's just all about music because people don't need someone to uh, uh, certainly not a radio programmer who is uh trying to appeal to a large swath of people you know, it, they're, they're never going to curate something that makes total sense for them. Like, I don't understand, you know, at least in the format that we're in now. I say it all the time. Like, if you're into, you know, Palfu, you know, what what business do you have with Cage the Elephant? Do you like both? I'm not sure that you do. You know, if you're into like the Chili Peppers and Green Day and Nirvana side of things, do you give a shit about, you know... A, claro or whatever her name is you know you see what i'm saying it's like (laughs) there's a disconnect there there's a disconnect and so like whereas you can go on any platform be it you know iheart or spotify or apple music and everything is to that taste you know and you get a thumb up thumb down skip you know whatever you want to do replay and you can't do that with live radio so i think you know you're seeing and i think you're going to see even more emphasis on content and whereas before is like the music was kind of the main thing and the DJs and the promotions and everything else were kind of the mortar that held it together. I think you're going to kind of see that flip. I think you're going to see, you know, especially terrestrial radio, um, you know, go more to um, destination programming type content or they're at least going to attempt it. I don't know who they're going to attract or if it's going to work. But I mean, you know, I think for the future and for their uh, viability, they're going to have to do something. And then the music then becomes kind of that mortar that holds it together. But it's going to be. Real kind of just stuff like, hey, this is just going to get us through the next break until we get these calls lined up, and then we'll come back with the content. It's going to be more like morning show-esque, uh, but not necessarily but regulated to morning. do you think all 98.7 after your right. show will do anything like that? Isn't yeah. it still 
Yeah. Mainly. I think they will. I think all of them will. I, you, name yeah. name a music station. I think unless it's um you know the stations now like the current version of oldies you know which is pretty funny because now it's a lot of 80s stuff, you know, and uh, yeah. uh, that's that's now oldies. And, you know, Guns N' Roses and ACDC and all that stuff is now oldies. And, yeah, you know, classic, classic rock, rock Nirvana. Classic rock. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I, t- I guess technically it is. I mean, look what we were listening to as classic rock, you know, in the sure. 90s or, you know, yeah. even the early 2000s, um, you know. But, yeah, I, I think there's still going to be, you know, people talk about electric cars or, you know, no more gas vehicles by 2035, but there's still going to be a shitload of gas vehicles on the road in 35. Look at all the old shit cars that are on the road now that are, you're surprised they left the driveway. You know, yeah, so right. it's going to take a while, but that's certainly where things are going. Right. I think, you know, as far as being able to farm content and farm people who can do that kind of stuff, um, you're just going to be able to, you're going to have to find the people, the challenge is going to be finding the people who can speak to a large enough audience on that platform because that's what that platform's about. Podcasts, you could definitely be more niche and, you know, um, try to focus on one particular thing and go deep into something that people are into as opposed to radio, which is kind of like, you know, the headline and then it says click here to read more and there's the podcast. That's the podcast world where we can really go and get more information and go deeper into that or deeper into a personality. Right. Sure. Yeah, I kept thinking of like MTV, you know, that used to be music television, only yeah. music videos and that's it. And now it's like <laughs> reality TV show are us, you know yeah. what I well, mean? Well, the internet like, the internet kind of killed that, you know. I think I think you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Cuz the yeah, internet YouTube fucking you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Like video didn't kill the radio star, but you know, the internet certainly killed the video. Yeah. Um, you know, you can just go on like whatever video you really wanted to see, whatever that video was that you couldn't get enough of, it's now yeah. online. You know, That's eBay. Right. I I'm first I, in fact, I was working at K-Rock when somebody first told me about eBay and they're like, "Dude, you can find anything on there." I said, "No shit." And my mom never let me have garbage pail kids <laughs> when I was a kid. She thought they were disgusting and she didn't want me to have them and my friend would give me his extras, his doubles or whatever, and I would have yeah. those and she would find them and throw them away. So the first thing I did when I heard about eBay, I went on there and I typed in Garbage Pail Kids and I bought all the originals. Like every oh single one of them, mint condition, I still have them. And uh, I put them in like the little baseball card sleeves and everything else. And like, like that's how it is with everything. Like you want it, you can find it. And yeah. so you got to give me the stuff that I can't necessarily just go online and quickly find. You know, right. if you wanted whatever the show was, you know, Game of Thrones, you knew where you had to watch Game of Thrones. It wasn't sure. on every station or every channel it was on yeah. one channel yeah and you right. know that's the destination kind of stuff i think and also maybe you know the return of um you know the people who you know are interested and want kind of like a music um god i hate this term discovery it sounds so douchey but like you know, <laughs> the people that are like people who are interested in like hearing about what's going on or whatever like i think you might actually get the return of a couple of like matt pinfield type people i like that dj because of the music he plays or his taste in music that used to be a thing yeah. you know it's not a thing now because it's you know playlists that are constructed by music directors and program directors and whatnot or some of the more old school djs who are sitting there kind of like you know weaving a tale about x y and z and how one record you know uh you know has to do with another record and hey by the way did you hear this if you like this i check this out well, let me know what you think of this and you, you, that might actually be um you know a feature or part of the content it might not be a straight four hours of that but like maybe there's an hour every afternoon with this person um you know i, th- I think you're gonna see all kinds of stuff but i i think it's good you know i think yeah. competition is good i think uh choice is good 
you know, sure. especially for people who are creative and for the people who create, you know, right. um, you know, yeah, gone, gone are the days of, you know, just being able to have a job, you know, on the radio where, you know, you're just regurgitating somebody else's playlist. Right. It's <laughs> a good way to put but it. But I feel like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like commercial radio is not on board with that. They still want to play the same 20 songs. They do, they do right now. But I mean, yeah. you know, there's all kinds the of discussion. I know at least within our company, iHeartMedia, yeah. I mean, there's a ton of, and iHeartMedia was, um, you know, uh, is being run currently by the guy who created or co-created MTV. Um, and he is a real visionary guy. Uh, I'm not just saying that cause I work with them, but I mean, you spend any time, any kind of time talking to this guy and their vision for the future. And they're always thinking ahead. You can say what wow. you want about the company and how big they are. And, you know, people always, you know, will find reason to hate on corporate anything. But, um, yeah. I gotta say like from a guy in my position, I'm happy to be where I am, um, with people who are thinking that way. And those are the conversations that are happening as far as how, long that takes to roll out but again it's about survival how do you survive you know if you're a typewriter repairman you're probably pretty hungry right now yeah you know? right <laughs> but if you're an it guy you're feasting you're eating <laughs> oh yeah yeah you're feeding everybody else too <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah no i hear that now how about so our podcast is because i have to when living your dream is the only option do you feel you're living your dream your dharma and what would you say that is exactly yeah i mean okay so as a kid you know you want to be all kinds of stuff you know i thought it'd be really cool to be a garbage man at one point um nice. to drive the trucks that have the forks on the front that pick the dumpster up like the commercial dumpsters not the ones that pick up your cans along the residential streets yeah. didn't even know about those um you know, that seemed cool. And then I really wanted to be an astronaut. You know, I wanted to be a shuttle pilot. I went to space camp, you know, like I, I was hardcore into it. That's and, awesome. um, and then I, you know, I was at least smart enough to realize that I'm not smart enough, you know, to do that kind of thing. Um, and then from there, it really became radio. And I, I can't explain why. I was always just interested more of the uh, Orson Welles uh, school of radio, like the storytelling, the Garrison Keillor storytelling version of radio than I was like the music DJ version of radio. Although I thought that was pretty cool too. And I'm sure I'm not the only kid that was dumb enough to think that the bands were at the radio station playing the songs <laughs> at a certain point in my I life. When I, I, I mean, I, I wasn't, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think I, I, I might've been like seven, you know? And I was like, Oh, oh all right. Yeah. How, they, how do they do that? You know, um, <laughs> they sound so good there. Yeah, live. That's cool. But yeah. I, I, you know, I do remember being really young, seven, you know, years old or so, and, and like just laying on the floor and, you know, my parents, you know, my mom's one bedroom apartment, like just looking at the radio dial. And was, I, I could kind of still see the glow, you know, from the tuner. And there was a station, yeah. New Jersey 101.5, and there's another one, 97.5 WPST. And uh, I would just listen to these stations. And, you know, I, I just wanted to know how it worked. You know, I wanted, I was just interested. Like, it always sounded like, like, man, why does, why does that song sound different? when I listened to it on the radio, then when my mom and I listened to it on a, at the time of 45 or, you know, on a cassette, why does it sound yeah. different? Like it did things sounded bigger and I yeah. wanted to, I wanted to know why. So I just kind of got into that, but it was, it, that was just a curiosity. And then um, my mom got remarried and the wedding was DJed by my uncle who owns like a really big, uh, you know, mobile DJ company in Phoenix. I mean, like to where wow. he's got like 30 people or something like that working for him. 
He's got this huge business. So yeah. his gift to my mom was, you know, he came out and he DJed the wedding. Well, all his gear and shit at the time, this is, you know, the eighties, man. So like he had like all this vinyl that he like shipped to do this wedding and uh, CDs, oh which were j- like brand new at the time, you know? And, yeah. and then all his gear, he just rented once he got to Jersey, but like it was all set up in my house. And so I was like, here I am, I'm playing radio, you know, with his DJ equipment. But then I'm like, oh, you know, maybe just doing this like wedding thing would be kind of cool. So I was like his shadow the entire time he was in town and during the whole, you know, reception or whatever. And I was like sitting there watching. So I knew that like DJ was something I was interested in. Um, but then, you know, I would I would just go back to the radio and I would hear the DJs and I had like a little 45 record player and I'd take my mom's boom box and set it up next to the 45 record player. And I would practice, you know, do like talking like the DJs, like introing the records and stuff. And oh so my, my mom God, has awesome. tapes of me from like eight and nine years old doing that and that are still <laughs> around. And then when they got uh, when my mom got remarried, I ended up with two stepsisters out of it. So I made my own radio station because I'm Jeff. And then my two stepsisters, Kristen and Robin, it was WJKR, and um, which is actually so the name cute. of my corporation now. I have a corporation. Oh it's gosh, WJKR. So no, oh my yeah. god. Yeah, because it's kind of where it started, right? So um, yeah, yeah. So like you know, th- then radio just kind of took over. I would be the annoying douche calling the radio station, asking a thousand questions, and you know, the DJs <laughs> at the time were so cool to me and would answer all these questions. And so, yeah. And then at that point, I just kind of figured like that was it. Like I knew I had the bug. Like I wanted that. That's what I wanted to do. So from that point forward, it just became my passion, you know, and I, I, you know, I would continue to make these stupid tapes every time we'd have a road trip to wherever we were going as a family, you know, I'd put together like the, the soundtrack for it and I'm talking up records and shit and, you know, it, it's cringy, cringy stuff now. But you know, my mom still has this stuff. And then, um, what was your favorite uh, artist then? Like, what were you listening my favorite, to? It was like it was all the top forty stuff. I would listen to like the you know American Top Forty with Shadow Stevens. You know, and, uh, and so like I just wanted to know. No, I wasn't like he seemed yeah. so like he seemed like old. You know, which yeah. I guess he was. He was always you know, old. But, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, he's yeah, pretty like much Shadow been Stevens old. Was on like Hollywood Squares, you know what I mean? So I knew who he was, you know. And then oh they had God. all the "It's Your Friend, The Shadow," and he had this cool voice. And um, but no, I, I was just, I just wanted to know what the big songs were. I was just interested in like what was the the popular songs and where I figured I needed to know this stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was everything, you know. It was it was everything pop and rock, everything from Appetite for Destruction when that came out to somebody introduced me to Run DMC and you know uh, my mom did not understand rap to this day doesn't really understand rap but like really because it was so new didn't understand rap so i'd have to like you know i would actually take a michael jackson cassette and then have my cousin or whoever dub you know (laughs) raising hell from run dmc onto the michael jackson cassette so she wouldn't question it and i just knew that michael jackson was really run dmc or appetite for destruction because it had skulls and stuff hanging from a crucifix on the front cover and i don't know about this it's probably drugs and, you know, she would uh, freak out about that. But you know, I, it, it, it had nothing to do with any of the lifestyle around it or anything else. It was all because it was on the radio. And so, you know, that 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 just like I said, that just became my all encompassing, you know, my my thirst for knowledge was all about radio. So when it comes to was that the dream? Yeah, it, it got to be that. And at that point, you know, um, especially as I got older and I started getting into junior high and whatever and you know the, all those things about like what do you want to be when you grow up type stuff um 
that was always what I would write about. That would be my project. I'd talk about radio and interview the local radio DJs and blah, 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 blah for the paper. But my only goal, and it was still my only goal for the longest time was like, I just wanted to make a living at it. Like, that's what I wanted to do. And it wasn't specific. It wasn't like, oh, I'm yeah. going to be, I'm going to be a morning DJ or what. Like, it had nothing to do with that. It was just, I wanted to be on the radio and I wanted that to be the job that I had. Sure. Were you a fan of it. Howard Stern? Yeah, I remember exactly like I like someday um I'm going to paint an X on the road in my hometown of Plainsboro, New Jersey. I could I can seriously probably put it within a 5 foot like radius of where this exactly was because it was like so burned into my mind. We were in my mom's wow. Chrysler LeBaron, powder blue, ugly, bench <laughs> vinyl seat in the front. Yeah. AM radio, right? No FM, and it was all those push buttons like you know like yeah. to, the presets weren't like they're were kind of presets like i told you i can get a five foot radius of the approximate spot these things would take you to the approximate spot on the dial right, right. never anything exact and howard was on wnbc at the time and so that was a music station and so my mom would have that on every once in a while and howard was on and i don't know what he said i wasn't really paying attention but my mom all of a sudden oh and she turns right out she goes you are not allowed to listen to that man I go, I said, what was that? He goes, Howard Stern, he's disgusting. You're not allowed to listen to him. And so I'm making a mental note and I'm looking at the radio and I could kind of see where it was. And right. um, so, you know, my oh mom, my, my mom worked full time and went to school full time. And so I would get home from school and, uh, you know, I would check in uh, with her and then, you know, I'd grab the radio and I tune the radio in and I was like listening to Howard because I wanted to hear what I wasn't supposed to hear. I didn't understand a goddamn thing like it was all like whatever he was doing was going over my head i didn't or, or the stuff he was saying would have like freaked out my mom but like i didn't get it really? i didn't understand I, I you know so i was like at this point like probably nine eight or nine years old but i became obsessed with listening to howard and then so i just kind of i would listen all the time but never really understand um and then he wasn't on afternoons anymore and i didn't i kind of lost track of him because i'm a kid <laughs> you know, yeah right, getting right up in the morning and going to school my mom certainly was hey did you hear that howard's now doing mornings <laughs> um <laughs> so that that never but i but i i always knew who howard stern was and of course you know being in that area um you know all the things he was always in the news you know sure you're always hearing oh, yeah. about stuff so yeah so that was that that became a thing later on because then he ended up being on, on uh 94 wysp in philly which we could also get um we got all the philadelphia stations uh where we live too so i i mean I grew up in this like hot better radio where we can get all the New York stations and all the Philly stations. It kind of converged right there in the middle of New Jersey. And um, that's so crazy. It wow. was cool. Everything from yeah. that to Eagle 106, this guy, John Lander, who like I think about what his show was and how cool I thought it was. And I'm, if I think about it now, it's like, wow, that was so like old school morning zoo. I think it was called the Nut Hut, John Lander in the morning Nut Hut. And they had this like, you know, character guy. It was like, yeah, but I loved all that stuff. I loved yeah. it. I loved it all. So again, that was just the big goal was just to work yeah. full time in radio. Nothing specific. And then how, that's awesome. Has it been 20 years since you created the Woody show? Yeah. Um, yeah, because I was a, I was a music DJ first, you know, so I ended up going to all these different boarding schools and that's a whole another story. But um, at one of the boarding schools, career day, career week or whatever came back around again, I'm doing another paper on radio called one of the local stations now i'm at a boarding school in in oregon and about an hour outside of bend oregon i mean in the middle of nowhere this is in the middle of the ochico national forest outside 26 miles from the closest town of 5,000, 
Prineville, Oregon. Oh my gosh. And um, <laughs> yeah, and so I convinced them to let me go take a tour of the station because the station, when I called them and invited me down, well, yeah, why don't you come on down here? We'll show you around and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool. I'll get a couple dumb pictures for this, you know, project I got to do. And so when I went in there, I mean, this was Bend, Oregon, 100.7 country, K I C E. And the program director's name is R.L. Garrigas. And he brought me in. He's like, well, let me show you around. And so, like, we're going around. So we get to, like, the production room. And he goes, this is the production room. I'm like, are those carts? He's looking at me like, the fuck do you know about carts, you know? And I'm like, and I'm like is, that, was this, is this where this happens? He's like, how do you know all this stuff? I'm like, I'm obsessed. I said, I've, I've asked so many questions. And I said, I've seen a bunch of different. He's, wow. He goes, do you want an internship? I'm like, well, let me see if I can get it done. I was at this really strict boarding school. And um, they let me do it. And so wow. within a couple of weeks of being an intern, now I'm being like a board op where I'm running the controls for a couple of their shows. And then he's like, well, why don't you start doing the weather twice an hour? And I did that. He's like, not bad. And so he's like, all right, well, you could talk, you know, uh, three times an hour on top of the weather. So I'm like, rip. I mean, it was country. And who gives a shit? I didn't care. Country. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. So I got my start yeah. in country too. You did? Yeah. So yeah. I ended up being on this station and... Um, uh, I was on that station for almost a year and then I got fired. Yeah, but I was just overzealous. Like, so like I thought I was helping. I honestly did. And I, they had all these like, um, compact discs of all these cheesy bits that they would get sent from, uh, like an audio service for their morning shows, all these dumb parody songs and whatever and this box that they had all these things in were a mess. Cue sheets were not attached to the CDs or whatever. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to bring this back to the school. I'm going to organize them all, you know, and then bring them back. Well, they were gone for like three days. The morning guy loses his shit. I didn't think to ask anybody. So I, they're like, did you steal the whatever? I'm like, I didn't steal anything. I, you know, they thought I'd stole them. Right. And I'm like, I, I didn't steal anything. I was literally trying to organize them, but they didn't give a shit. I'm, you know, I'm a nobody, you know, part-timer, the morning guy who's the big deal that he was pissed. And so, uh, that was, that was, that was the end of my radio career at country K I C E at the radio ranch. That's what they had to call it. It's 45 degrees at the Radio Ranch. It's so stupid. But I was psyched. I was so psyched. I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, and that guy, R.L. Garrigas, what's was funny is um, about a year ago, we got a call um, from a company in Bend, Oregon, and their call letters for the station they were interested in putting us on was K-I-C-E. And I'm like, you got to be shitting me. No way. And I said, uh, when I was talking to, um, I said, find out if there's a guy, if they remember a guy named R.L. Garrigas. And no shit, he's like the community affairs director. He's still there. Oh, oh my God. Probably hasn't earned $100,000 in total yet because like <laughs> it's such a little tiny shit market. But oh my God. He'll crack six figures over the course of 25 years or whatever. But that yeah. was, God, that was like 90, that was like 93. Wow. You know, that, uh, that that was going on. So, yeah, I mean, so that I started as a music jock and then, you know, ended up from there uh, moving to Pittsburgh for my senior year, got an internship at a radio station, which led to getting uh, some board op opportunities at the station I was interning at, which led to on air. So by my senior year of high school, I was full time on the air in this little top 40 station outside of Pittsburgh, uh, full time salary benefits, the whole thing. I mean, it was a shitty salary. It literally, it was twelve thousand dollars a year. It was oh such garbage. God. But I didn't care. I was in high school and I, sure. I had no expenses, you know, yeah. and I was on the radio full time. I was doing nights on this station. And um, it was funny because then uh, they signed that other station on and I would listen to Booker because I was on at night and he was on at night. I'm like, man, this guy's good. He's funny. 
And uh, I would call Booker, even though I had a job, I'm calling Booker. And so Booker now, he still makes fun of me. He's like, yeah, you were that, you were that kid that, uh, that called up. And, you know, so he would rip me on the air. Like, yeah, there's some guy on some other radio station who would call me. And, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's calling me, but he's supposed to be on the air. What a douche, you know? Like, oh my God. So, but I, but I thought it was, I thought it was great. And, um, so that would, you know, that's my senior year. And then I am getting a job at that station in Pittsburgh, the game, the name Woody. And then from there, I went to go work at that station that I called a thousand times growing up in, in uh, New Jersey, WPST. They hired me. And uh, Julie will know another name. That's where I met this guy named Mike Kaplan. He was like the oh. overnight guy. Oh, that's he was hilarious. the overnight guy and the promotions director. And he and I just became friends. He later on now, you know, now he programs like all these stations all over the country. Um, and Julie, you know him very well. Or yeah. well enough. Well, um, Mike, Mike the show killer, Mike the right? Show killer. Mike the show killer. <laughs> yeah. yeah I always remember hearing that, and I was like, "Who the fuck is this Mike the show killer dick?" Well, yeah, I because like it turns out history. he's a. It turns I out know. he's a really good friend, but he's a really yeah. shitty program director, which I've said to his face. <laughs> That's so funny. To to, to, to do know, so, speak yeah. the truth on that. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so like you know, I I worked there, and then I went to Portland, Oregon. Uh, from Portland, Oregon, I went to St. Louis, and then from St. Louis is when I went to New York. So you know that was, and New York was the last stop on the I'm going to play music as a train. DJ train. Yeah, wow. Because I'd gotten to New York and I got that job. I was 23. I just turned 23, and um, you know, I'm like, fuck. Now what? Like, because the big thing was like, I just I wanted to get to New York. I'm like. Yeah. And now I'm here and I told you like it became like very clear to me that radio was radio and it didn't really matter, you know. Um I'm like, well, but now what do I do? You know, like I'm like where do you go from here? What that do you is do? Tough once you're in New York, really like yeah. Oh my Ooh. god, no kidding. This is the number yeah. one so, market. What do you do? Yeah. yeah. And I it's not like I had the greatest shift or whatever. I was helping out in programming, I was scheduling some music and you know, doing that kind of stuff and but you know, I, I didn't really have a direction. I, I thought at that time I wanted to be more I, th I thought I was going to end up as a program director. That's what I yeah. really wanted to do at that point. I'm like, hey, you know what? I, I, I mean, now it kind of became my focus. Like, ah, oh, maybe I'll be a program director. But that didn't really get too far um, because I was listening to Howard, obviously, still. And now it took on a whole different meaning because, like, I would see him all the time, especially when I first started. Like, I would see him every morning because um, he was coming in as I was leaving. So I either cross him in the hallways. Or every once in a while, he'd pop open the door and go, hey, you know, it was before Hey Now. He'd go, hey, and then he'd walk into the, I mean, hey, man, and he'd walk into his studio. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, because this is yeah. this is like a little kid meeting like Mickey Mantle, you know, right, right. <laughs> super, super fucking cool. And I remember yeah. telling my mom, like, guess who I met this morning? You know, <laughs> that guy you told me never to listen to. Yeah. Um, like, Don't let him influence you. Yeah. And then I got to be on the show a couple of times, you know, because it was like some interstation, you know, drama going on. And so like I got to be on the show and then it just became, you know, how people used to talk about all they wanted to do was make Johnny Carson laugh if they got on the show. Like all they wanted to do was just make sure Howard was happy. And right. so the, 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 the first time I was on our general manager who he ripped on all the time, Tom Chiasano, uh, I had asked him for a water cooler for the building which all they had was the water that came out of the refrigerator which in new york city kind of smells like a hint of onions you know it's really <laughs> gross so everybody would bring in like pollen spring bottle of pollen spring water you know with them and so i asked and he said it's not in the budget well somehow i think maybe through booker it got back to howard and he goes on a tear about how cheap tom is and what a fuck he is and um 
<laughs> and so uh, Gary calls me and he goes, hey, have you left the building yet? He goes, Howard wants to talk to you. I'm like, yeah, I, I can talk. He's like, no, no, you got you to come back in. I'm like, shit, oh all right. So I'm like, fuck yeah. So I, I turn around and come in. Anyway, get on the show. We rip Tom a new asshole. Now, Howard <laughs> can do it because he's Howard. I'm like a 23-year-old oh overnight guy. <laughs> and, dude, we're making Holy fun of shit. Tom having cancer. We're talking about how he's so cheap that his wife's vibrator works in the clapper. Like, <laughs> you name it. Like, dude, we were brutal. It got to the point where Tom, it had gone on so long that Tom had made it into the city and he'd come into the studio and he said, you know, if you hate it so much, why don't you quit? And at that point, I mean, he's clearly talking to me. And uh, Howard got up and he goes, no, Tom. And he, he defended me. He goes, wow. Woody likes his job. You know, and uh, like, and that's like, holy shit, is this happening right now? So we get off the air. Uh, after the, we'll be back after these messages and he goes to break and he gets, he goes, that was fucking amazing. He was like, dude, that was great. And I'm like, yes, I'm, and he, he's shaking my hand and I'm like, oh fuck, am I going to fire? He goes, fuck him. He goes, if he has a problem, you, you tell him to come talk to me. Oh my I go, gosh. I go, all right, cool, man. So as soon as I walked out of the door of the studio, Tom is standing there waiting for me. Oh my he goes, holy shit. let's go talk in my office. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, oh shit. He goes, if you ever do that again i will fire you i'm like all right got it i said you gotta understand man i said i'm within like arm's length of my my hero and i'm in the zone i said i forgot where i was yeah. right you know that and was um, magic. yeah that, yeah exactly like you just yeah, forget, right. you know and so like, we we're just having the best time the next time i was in there i was a lot more careful <laughs> but it was you know it wasn't it wasn't anything as uh anything as crazy but um yeah so i'm listening to howard and then opie and anthony um were a show oh, that were on wnew at the time uh and they were on in the afternoon and so i ended up like and i wanted to hate them because we were k-rock and they were new and they hated howard and i loved howard and you know but uh, the more i listened to the show the more i got into it and the more i saw that their fans were insane like their fans were crazy and like they were so passionate and so i kind of started listening like more of like a student like what is it about these two shows that have people this fucking crazy Right. You know, like they're this passionate. They're willing to do anything for these guys they've never met. And so I just, I kept, you know, just listening and trying to figure it out, like reverse engineer it almost. Yeah. And then I, I kind of had this thought, like, you know, maybe I like to try doing a show with somebody. That could be fun, you know, instead of just, you know, telling people when concerts are and call now to win this or whatever. And coming up in the next 10 minutes, we got the, who, the new whatever song. Um, You know, I think that, that could be, I had no idea who I'd want to work with. Um, but, uh, as soon it was weird, I had that thought. And then I got a call from my program director who I'd worked for in St. Louis. And he goes, Hey man, I know you're in New York. Any chance you want to come back? And I'm like, so weird that you called, you know, cause I was just having these, he's like, dude, anything you want, because you just tell me we'll hire whoever Holy you want. Shit. Um, just give me the number. Tell me how much, you know, it would take. I'll get it done. And so I'm like, well, let me, let me think about it. Now, when I got to New York, this is the other like weird. I'm not like a religious person, but it's like a, you know, kind of a universe thing, you know, like an energy thing. Sure. Um, you know, I got to New York and I had not lived anywhere close to home since I was 15. I had gone to boarding school and then I was living in Pittsburgh and I was doing all this other stuff. Um, you know, I got to New York and then within six months, my mom told me that she had been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I was like, fuck, you know, so like I was there and you know, while she was going through all her treatments and I was able to be close, you know, and I'm not sure how that would have worked for me if I hadn't. 
Um, and then she, uh, she was going through treatments and she was reacting, you know, really well to them and, and everything else. But that was the one reason I was like, you know, all right, maybe I, maybe I won't do this. Well, at between the conversation with the guy in St. Louis and, you know, whatever my mom calls and says that she just got her test back and she's clear. I'm wow. like, wow, that's crazy shit. So just yeah. now, like I have this opportunity and I was able to be here for this window of time, Yeah, you know? And, uh, so I, I, I feel like really fortunate that way, you know, cause I probably don't deserve that opportunity in life, you know, but, um, <laughs> why do you feel that way? You don't deserve it. <laughs> oh, nobody hates me more than me. I, I've said that a million <laughs> times. Like people, people are like you suck. Fuck you. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, that's fine. Whatever. I said, you aren't going to say anything to me or make me feel any kind of way that I haven't already or don't already feel about myself. Nobody hates me more than me. Nobody's harder on me than me. Have you so, worked like, you on know, loving I, yourself? I've tried. There is, there is a book. I've tried. Love yourself like your life depends on it. Yeah. Did my therapist write that? Because I, tr I tried everything <laughs> she said, too. And, you know, I think it's just, I well, think I it's just part of my your, charm at this point. You're pretty public with that you've gone to therapy and it changed your life. So how yeah. did it change your life? Um, just got me more aware of things and like, you know, I don't have to say yes to everything. I can, can like with my job, like I never really said no to anything, you know, I was like, yep, I can make it work. I'll figure out a way to make it work. And I ended up spending like, you know, 14 hours a day doing something yeah. that, uh, Especially there was just not, right and now. I, yeah. yeah like, like I'm, you know, I got a wife, I got kids and you know, I'm not 23 anymore, you know? So it's like, you know, and I'm got to be, uh, I look like I ate the old me. And, uh, you know, it's like, I had to do something cause it's like, all right, well, I'm working hard. I'm trying to accomplish something, but then you know, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be dead, you know? Yeah. And so I had to try to figure out, I, I was just in this funk. And so I just decided to go talk to this person and, you know, it kind of got me off center and more than anything else got me off center. And then, uh, well, what if you drew a line? What if you said that you weren't available for meetings after 12 noon every day? Like, I don't know. Are they going to fire you? I said, no. What if they fired you? I'm like, would you be okay? I'm like, yeah. And so I'm like, fuck it, I'll retry. And I was so nervous. And I did it. And no, it's almost like people expected me to be a little bit more difficult, yeah. you know, And because I, I, I wasn't. And but when I, but so the first time I ever saying, all right, well, I can't do it after 12 noon. Well, do you have something going on? No, I just, I'm, I can't. I have to like, I, I, I even threw my, my therapist told me <laughs> that I got to, I got to say no. But if that makes, I said, but if, but if that pisses you off, I said, I won't do it. And no, 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 no. That's great. They, they were actually looking for me to, you know, they were kind of concerned about burnout or, yeah, yeah. you know, that right. I was going to take a hostage or something. What time do you get up every day at like one o'clock? Oh my gosh. One o'clock. Dude, that's insane. What? Yeah, All right. I leave, do you I leave, leave? I leave the house at one thirty, and then I'm, oh I'm at the station by two. I have to stop at 7-Eleven to get a unsweetened iced tea and that's it. What wow. time do you go to bed? Did you get my text last night at 8 p.m. and be like, uh, that bitch? I did. Yeah. I was hoping no, that I, you I, don't I, leave your phone on. Like 8.30, 9 o'clock. Oh my God. Oh, do you do like a nap during the day? Try, except when I'm doing someone's oh podcast. Gosh. How do you live? Yeah, sorry. Thanks for staying awake <laughs> yeah. for this. We're cutting into your nap <laughs> time. How do you, no, how do you deal good. with that aspect of getting up at 1 a.m.? Like how, how it's is just that? It's part of the job. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like uh, how doctors deal with seeing blood. It's just part of the job. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. it's sure. not, it's not something that you want, you know, like, uh, right. but that's, that's what the job calls for. And, you know, when I, when I left New York, I remember the program director said, you're going where? He looked at me over like the top of his glass. He goes, get the fuck out of here. I'm like, no. I'm, and he goes, why? And I go, you're in New York. And I said, I know. I said, but I, I, I got to try doing this, you know? And um, it, it was just, it, it was just something that I had to do. It was just, you know, that was, 
my opportunity to really kind of take everything I'd been thinking, which was, all right, I want to be a program director, but everybody seems to be pushing me to be on the air. They really like what I do on the air. I can make a lot more money being on the air. So let's focus on that. And so I just threw all my energy and all my focus into that. And it just became about, you know, figuring it out and then getting better from there. So, you know, to me, that's just the job. That's what the job calls for. And so, you know, for me to get the best return on my investment of time and energy and everything else, it just means getting up at one o'clock in the morning, at least for now. I'm not going to do it forever. I just signed a new contract. Um, yeah, congratulations that's gonna keep, on that. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's going to keep me here for... How does that feel? Do you have me... any anxiety with being locked into something? No, because I don't want to start over again. I've done that yeah. so many times. And like I said, I got kids. <laughs> yeah. my, my son's about to turn 12 here in like the next couple months. And then my daughter's going to be nine this year. I just so want, because I went to all these... I went to all these boarding schools, you know, and I, I moved yeah. a lot and it's not my parents moved. I, I was the one in the boarding schools. I was at a different high school every year of high school. Um, I didn't want that wow. for my kids. And so radio is such a weird business and so many people do it. And it's not abnormal, at least in radio. And for a lot of people, then people move and things happen. I didn't want that for my kids. Um, and so that was actually a consideration before I even came to LA. Cause I was in St. Louis. Once again, uh, I left, <laughs> there's been, there's been, I'll, I'll give you a cliff notes version of uh, just, just so you have a reference of what was going on. Uh, left New York, went to St. <laughs> Louis, started the show, huge show blossomed from that. We had, and you know, a lot of people understand it, but like uh, when I say we had a 30 share, that's a huge number in radio. Uh, and especially like when second plays had like a five, <laughs> you know, like we dominated. Well, we got fired <laughs> with a 30 share. <laughs> we got fired. Now this is was possible. Yeah. And this is, this is pre Janet Jackson. Wow. So we were pretty nuts. And again, oh, yeah. I'm pulling influence from the Howard Stearns and the Opie and Anthony's of the day. Um, and so, you know, and I, to be fair, I got thrown under the bus for stuff that every member of my management was aware of and it signed checks for and everything else. And then when somebody complained, they said, well, we didn't know what was going on. Bullshit. Um, so anyway, yeah. and to, and to that point, the company I was working for fired me. And then I hadn't even left the building yet. And the guy who's the vice president of programming called me up and goes, don't take any other job. We're going to move you to Chicago. So I, the, the same company that just fired me, rehired me two weeks later, moved me to a much bigger city <laughs> and double over doubled my pace, my paycheck. So wow. I went to Chicago wow. and we did afternoons. Um, Man Cow was the morning show and then I was the afternoon show. Uh, and that's when I hired Ravy, who was uh, part of my team still. And, um, you know, cause we need, they said we needed to balance out all the testosterone. I'm like, all right, fine. That's cool. I know who I want to hire. And I had met Ravy cause she worked at that radio station with Booker and stone and I too. She was there. That's where I met her. Oh, nice. And, and nice. so we had been, we had been friends. So she was from, the first one you met out of the crew. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. this is the wizard of Oz, you know, she's, she's the scarecrow, right. you know, <laughs> met her first <laughs> on we go, you know, and then pick up people all along, right. along the journey. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then I went to Chicago, got fired there and then went to San Francisco. We took over for Howard Stern when he went to satellite radio. So the company oh, was looking wow. for all these replacements. And so there was all this morning show opportunity. I had no ambition to ever do mornings. I was happy doing afternoons, waking up at 10 AM. I was skinny then, you know, cause I was working out and you know, I was, I had a healthy lifestyle and, um, 
And so I never had any ambition, but then, you know, the opportunity comes along. And again, looking at things as an investment of my time and, and in my career, I said, well, that's a lot more money than what I was making doing afternoon. So fuck it, let's go do that. And we ended up being really successful in San Francisco. In fact, I think we were the only one, the only show of all the shows they put on that actually worked from David Lee Roth to Adam Carolla yeah. to Rover in the Midwest somewhere. And that was it. Like we were the only local show that they put on. We were the only one that worked. Um, oh my awesome. God. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> then we got fired because that one, <laughs> that one, there was a new guy that came in. And by this point I had really kind of settled into kind of where we are now where it's like I had enough success in ratings, you know, track record where, you know, I just kind of figured out that I cannot be micromanaged and I cannot be thinking about other people that don't matter and who don't result in ratings and or revenue. So we would do things. And the guy who hired us in San Francisco was not the guy who was there when we got fired. The guy who hired us had a rule that all rules are meant to be broken as long as you have a purpose. And that had worked for us. And, you know, even in the beginning, we were doing something that they wanted us to do. And when it wasn't working after about nine or 10 months, I said, fuck it, guys, this is what we're doing. We're not, they had us, they were calling us the morning music co-op because co-op is very San Francisco. How dumb. And, mm, uh, and right. so I'm like, nope, we're just going to be Woody, <laughs> Tony and Ravy. And we're going to do our show the way we think it should be done. The minute we did that, things exploded. And then they didn't say anything. Uh, we didn't even ask if we could make wow. the change. We just did it. Cause we figured we're going to be fired anyway, if we don't figure this out. Um, and so in that time, the guy who had hired us, he left, they got a new guy to come in and this guy and I just did not oil and water. This guy, uh, he, he was just, and he is still a douchebag. I've never burned a bridge in radio, but I would rather clean like the shit tank out of airplanes <laughs> than ever do radio in the best city on the planet Holy for the shit. money I'm making now working for this guy he's oh just an asshole so he's been he fired your, for uh, sexual harassment uh, you know what i mean he's just he's just he's just an asshole was he on and the so, air with you or a boss no no he was an off the air guy oh and um, is this the smd double m guy maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> i just love how that flows so well smd double m it's like bam bitch. yeah so uh, just in case people don't know that's something woody says at the we end sign of off our show every day with that yeah i'm yeah. sorry i i love yeah. it. i think something. it's a great we, sign off. and and that's just the thing that you know it's, it's funny because we are so open with everything that's the one thing we've never confirmed or got into because it, it it became just a thing for the four of us like the four main yeah. people right. something that, you know it's, it's just you know Anyway, so this guy, he brings me to his office, and he, I, I had played some Eminem song that morning, and he goes, um, "What's with the Eminem?" I go, uh, "Pretty good." He goes, "No, no, no." He goes, "Was it scheduled?" I said, "No." I said, three quarters of the shit we end up playing is not scheduled," and uh, he's like, "Well, from now on, you're gonna stick to the log." Fast forward, I'm like, "Fine." So I fought with him, and I made my argument, but I'm like, "Look, it's y'all's radio station." And push comes to shove. So of course I talked about how we had this meeting and you know, this is what we're supposed to do. And so we made a big joke about playing exactly what they wanted us to play and people loved it. Um, but he didn't complain because I was sticking to the log, uh, the music log. Um, and then green day was coming out with an album and there was the first single that was coming out called know your enemy and the record people, when they come in to play stuff for radio programmers, they'll come in 
I don't even know why they bother. Like, just just come and like bring someone to a stadium so you can play it loud enough. They will blast whatever the song is so everybody can hear it. Right. I, my my office was literally right next door to the program director's office. It was so loud. I on my iPhone. I think I still even have the recording. I recorded some of what they were playing because I could hear it was Green Day. The next morning, go in on the air, and uh, Ravy is doing the you know music and entertainment report, and she says, "Well, Green Day's new album, blah 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 blah. And we should hear something from them next week." I'm like, "Well, it's funny you say that. They were just here yesterday, and they were playing. The new, it sounds really good. It sounds awesome. I like it a lot." Oh yeah, I'm like, oh, in fact, it was so loud. I recorded a little bit on my phone, and I, it was 26 seconds of a you know from my desk holding up my iPhone, and uh, I get called into the office after the show. What do we tell you about playing songs that weren't on the music log? I'm like, I didn't even know what the fuck they were talking about. And I go, what are you yeah. talking about? And they said, we, you played something that wasn't on the music log this morning. And it turned out there was this green day. So that was a clip. It's like saying, I saw the movie because I watched the trailer. That is not like we didn't play a song. It was a yeah. clip in the context of a entertainment report. Yeah. It's an actuality. It's a, you know, it's, don't split hairs with me. You're suspended till further notice. Well, long story short, they fired me for cause. <laughs> And this guy fired me for cause when my wife was seven months pregnant with our son, first, first kid left me high and dry in San Francisco. And so that, that was that. And I I thought at that point, the show was over because I wasn't quite sure, you know, my wife's having this baby. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, And guess who hired me back? St. Louis. And so (laughs) same people, same people, same people I worked for before New York, same people that fired me and then sent me to Chicago. Same guy who said, we don't know what's going on, hired me back. Oh, my God. And uh, came in there, worked with somebody completely different. This is the kind of the break in, the, in the, the history of the show. I went and did the show with another guy who's actually still there. His name is Rizzuto, who worked oh, yeah. at K-Rock back Neckbeard. in the day. Neckbeard. Yeah, they gave him the nickname Neckbeard. He's an Italian, and he grows hair from his face, like literally, I think probably all the way down to his bush. <laughs> like, a, like one continuous carpet of hair. You know, like down his neck, which meets up with the chest hair, then ends up going down to the, you know, the glory trail, then then to the, you know. Um, but he, I had gotten him the job in St. Louis because he was looking for an opportunity to be on the air. He was a promotions guy. And so got him into St. Louis. And so when they were bringing me back, they were creating this position for me. They said, you're going to do mornings. You know, we can, we can bring some of your people in, but we'd have to get rid of some people here in order to make room. Is there anybody here you can work with? I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I can work with Riz. And so Rizzuto and I did this show. And again, we're talking 30 shares. Yeah, it was huge. Wow. It was insane. Jeez. And I was well taken care of. I mean, they, I mean, especially for St. Louis, I mean, they very much overpaid me. And uh, I was living, you know, my wife is from St. Louis. So all of her family was around. We just had this baby. It's like, oh, that's great. wow, this is the universe working yeah. in a weird way again, you know? Wow. And uh, was killing. And, you know, radio in St. Louis is like shooting fish in a barrel. You know, once you've done it in more competitive situations, it's like, you know, it's like a major league ball player going and playing, you know, little league. Yeah. You know, there's no, everything's, everything's a straight down the middle fastball and you you can just rip them, you know? And, um, and so, you know, it was just a great time and I never had planned on leaving. And then LA called. Hello, this is LA. (laughs) What do you do when LA calls? This is the part where we're going to leave everybody in suspense because we are doing a two-parter with this podcast. It is magic. Does he immediately go to L.A.? Isn't he under contract? Who knows? And then, when does he go to L.A.? And then what happens next? Who knows? 
You'll find out next week on the Cuz I Have To podcast. Where living your dream <laughs> is the only gosh darn option. Thanks for listening to the Cuz I Have To podcast. The best way you can help us is share the show. Tell people about it. Also, subscribe, like, leave us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Instagram at Cause I Have To Podcast and email us, especially if you know someone living their dharma and you think they'd be a great guest on the show. It's Cause I Have To Podcast at Gmail. And oh, we do love those voice messages. You can leave us one at anchor.fm slash Cause I Have To. Keep living those dreams, friends, because you have to. Till next time.